Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this is one of our deep dives. We're going to dive very, very deep into a big, soothing Bakta tank of talk. What is inside the Bakta tank besides two podcasters? Well, it's the magic of lightsaber fights. We've covered so many, and now we are going to cover a very different lightsaber climax. Anyway, I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Cat Napsack. Where do podcasters belong? In a goopy, gluey-like <laughs> substance that can somewhat heal you. Happy to be here. This one's a lot of fun to uh, take this part of the series home. Yeah, exactly. But before we take it home, we want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Do you have a lightsaber that also has an MP3 player in the hilt? It might work in that. This week, we're continuing to recommend The Princess and the Scoundrel by Beth Revis. It is a great novel about the inner lives and the outer adventures of Han and Leia right after Return of the Jedi. We love this book, did a big review of it. So if you want to listen to the book, then listen to our review. You can download the free audiobook by going to audibletrial.com slash center. One more time, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audio book. Ken, would you want a lightsaber that is also an MP3 player? I kind of need that. I have one of those record <laughs> players that's also like a multifaceted machine that could play other things. Uh, you know, just I want I, I want to go back to the clock radio feel I had as a kid. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think we're heading into a time where nothing can be one thing. You've you got a record player that does CDs, cassettes, and also it makes toasts and it tweets for you. Uh, I think that's clearly the future, right? It is. One time my friend got a very high-end fridge with internet capabilities and I'm all <laughs> for change and forward movement, but I just looked at him and I was like, why? Why? Your Facebook app is on here. Why? Uh, my, can you imagine a fridge that also like has a camera and it takes a picture of what you take out and it just it auto posts whatever you took oh, out of the fridge to see? all your your followers on Eater? Oh, I think you just created a million dollar idea. So, copyright <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll make an NFT of it. All right, we are going to get into lightsaber fights uh it is really fun uh to get to this as we're recording it is it's been a busy weird day so it's really great to get here into star wars land uh we've been talking about lightsaber fights for quite a while now because they are such a key part of both the thrill and the core themes of star wars uh they're just cool but also they communicate some of the deepest ideas in star wars we've discussed the original trilogy duels the prequel battles and the sequel conflicts all the way up to this the final battle in Rise of Skywalker. Rey walks into the Sith arena at about one hour and 43 minutes in the movie. Then she flies away triumphant at about two hours and five minutes into the film. And in between, uh, this conflict is intercut with the Resistance fleet's desperate stand against the First Order and Finn and Janna's destruction of the steadfast command ship. And we wanted to talk about this climactic battle because while it is not a direct lightsaber-on-lightsaber battle, the power in the symbolism of lightsabers are so vital to the story, to this entire scene, to the hero's victory, to this just big climax. 
of the Skywalker saga. So, Ken, I wanted to start with this big picture question. Were you expecting a large traditional lightsaber battle in the third act of this film? And were you disappointed that there wasn't one at any point? Short answer on the dis- disappointment, no. Uh, really thrilled by this uh, trip into the pit, pit, of, pit of Hades we got, I guess. <laughs> so sorry, not sorry. But I will say, yeah, going into the movie, yeah, perhaps I did expect, not even that I wanted, but I did expect a traditional lightsaber fight. I, I think my mind might have been going to Kylo and Rey, naturally, and that's maybe even before um, official word of Palpatine came out. Then that happens and the trailer comes out and we all cheer and roll it again and then perhaps I was thinking it would be, you know, oh, the ruins of the second Death Star. That might be a spot. But then I think you and I and Jennifer and discussing, we're like, ah, oh, that just seems like they wouldn't show us that in the trailer. So I think all that to say, it's uh, it, 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 my expectations were all over the place, but happy with, with what we got. And one of the reasons I think I'm, I'm personally not disappointed is because of the, the two fights we previously discussed in the last episode. That was mm-hmm. just lightsabers clashed and had meaning and had thrills. And so it was like, great, let's do something bigger. And this is bigger to me and has, uh, has its own meaning. And I get people are probably going to just tweet the podcast advertisement uh, that we put out. <laughs> That's not a lightsaber fight. We're going to get that. I know we're going to get that, but listen to this podcast. We're telling you right now. Yes, you're right. It's not a classic lightsaber fight, but we're analyzing it because it is really about lightsabers in a lot of ways. Exactly. Exactly. I think a part of the power of it is that it is not a lightsaber on lightsaber battle. I think that's part of what gives it more meaning uh, for the idea of just what lightsabers are. What are they symbol of all that kind of thing? Um, I think I've never been disappointed um, because I had hoped for a big lightsaber battle, certainly. And then as the trailers come out and you see Rey and Kylo on the ruins of the Death Star, I kind of pinned all of my classic lightsaber on lightsaber conflict hopes on that. Mm. And it's partially just kind of uh, being a narrative brained, really hoping that the big conflict between Ray and Kylo would happen earlier in the film and that they would end up kind of facing Palpatine together. Mm. And I think, I, I don't know why I just kind of assumed it, it wouldn't be Palpatine out there double swinging blades like he did in his younger years. Um, I don't know why I assumed that, but I kind of, I kind of did. And so I was not terribly shocked by it, um, that there wasn't a big classic lightsaber on lightsaber duel. And I know in the time since the film came out, you know, there've been those Matt Smith discussions of, Hey, he was at one point maybe in discussion. Maybe it was to be young Palpatine, you know, that Palpatine uses their life energy to restore himself. And why not go way young? Why stop at fancy robes? Why not make yourself Matt Smith and fight with two lightsabers against both uh, Ben Solo and Ray? And I know a lot of people uh, listening right now are probably still in the camp of that would have been great. And uh, as always, we respect different opinions. Uh, but I'm really personally glad that there wasn't a big three-way lightsaber duel between Ray and Ben and Palpatine. Because I think it allows this uh, climax, this finale, to really be its own thing and to truly be different. And in particular, we're going to talk about it a bunch. Uh, It really allows us to see the Jedi's use of the lightsabers in a different way as pure defense, as a pure shield against the darkness in a really straightforward way. And I think it also uh, really keeps the lightsabers truly a symbol of the Jedi. Like, yes, the Sith use lightsabers uh but the jedi have poured so much meaning into the lightsabers where i feel like for the sith a lot of times it's another weapon you know but for the jedi it's this 
core of their identity that is summed up by this weapon that they feel so, so responsible for, right? Like if a Sith lost their lightsaber, it'd be like, well, it's a bummer. I'll get another one, right? (laughs) The Jedi uses their blade. Like that's their responsibility. Uh, So so I think those are a couple of the reasons that uh, it, it really stands out to me. Now, a lot of big ideas in there. I love hearing them. And, and going to the Matt Smith thing, uh, you know, hey, I'm enjoying him as the Rogue Prince and House of the Dragon. I know you're a Doctor Who, Who fan. Like, mm-hmm. that, that would have, that's one of the things that I'm like, if they had done it and they pulled it off and, and I didn't know another, the other option existed and that was what I saw, I bet I would have been like, oh, that's great. And I bet we would have found some thematic meaning in it. They, I think it's one of the things where I say it's not just a would have, they, they could have done that, but they didn't. And what remained was something that I think was true to the conflict, particularly conflict between Ray. And, and, and Palpatine uh, and Ian McDiarmid there, you're never going to lose when you have McDiarmid from beginning mm-hmm. to end. And I, I think that's where I kind of come down on it there. And I don't know if it's, you know, I wouldn't, I don't even want to say generational, but you, you and I are the gen- generation that, you know, Sheev was a, a lightning thrower, <laughs> you know, he wasn't a blade wielder. And love the stuff we get in the in the, the prequel era. We we uh, reviewed that. Also, the Clone Wars, you know, him mm-hmm. and Maul and Savage Press, great stuff. So without a doubt, it, it works for me works for me to have a blade, but I don't know. There's just something at the end. Like, this is what I want to see. Lightsabers against lightning. Sign me up. Let's go. Yeah. Angry Sheev, angry two lightsaber Sheev in the Clone Wars, uh, putting down Maul and Savage Press. That's one of my favorite lightsaber fights. So yeah, it's not about, uh, about Sheev. It's more about, we really want to summarize the, the Skywalker saga and bring it home. How are we going to do that? And, and who with, and yes, a very pro Matt Smith. This is a pro mm-hmm. Matt Smith space. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like now I've caught up to you. And I, like we we both have our things that we can say. Yeah, Matt Smith. Yay, you know. <laughs> yeah, the he he's the rogue prince. The rogue prince, Damon mm-hmm. Targaryen. Yeah, the rogue prince and the madman in the box. He's got a lot of great titles from all the genre stuff he's been in. <laughs> he's got a hell of a resume. Uh, <laughs> so getting back to Star Wars. Uh, throughout the this big climax, uh, we see the lightsabers used in many ways, and we're going to talk about these individual beats, uh, uh, but I really wanted to kind of throw them all out there to summarize all the different ways that we do see lightsabers in action, uh, both literally in action and sort of thematically. Uh, Palpatine wants Rey to use the Skywalker blade to strike him down in a ritual of hate that will allow Palpatine to possess her. Ray defies Palpatine, passing the Skywalker blade to Ben Solo through their Force Dyad connection. And then we even get some straight-up lightsaber fighting time when Ben uses the blade to defeat the Knights of Ren. Ray ignites Leia Organa Solo's blade to defend against the attack of Palpatine's uh, Sovereign Protectors, uh, the Sith Royal Guard types. And then together, uh, Ray and Ben raise their blades to defy Palpatine. But of course, he force steals their life energy and the blades clatter to the floor, fallen, lost, sad. Uh, then encouraged by the voices of Jedi past, Ray rises and calls both lightsabers to her hands and bounces Palpatine's barrage of force lightning back at him, destroying the Sith Lord. And finally, Ray buries the Skywalker twins blades at the Lars homestead and ignites her own blade in honor and reflection. So I just kind of wanted to, to break down the actual lightsaber related beats. <laughs> mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. everybody could kind of imagine what all we're talking about. Uh, so with that in mind, Ken, what are your current feelings on this final Jedi Sith battle and the lightsabers role in it? Have your feelings changed at all in the years since the movie came out? It's funny. I'm looking at your notes. Have your feelings changed over the years? I'm like years. Oh wait. Yeah. It's all uh-huh. years. Oh God. <laughs> oh God. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. I just, I love it. And one of it, it's big and it's melodramatic. I mean, it is 
mellow, dramatic, long have I waited. It's just everything I kind of wanted. It, it's this mythic storytelling. It's it's just one of the things about Rise of Skywalker in general that I, I understand might certainly rub up against other people's feelings. But I, I, you know, I'm an unlimited power guy now, which I wasn't always. <laughs> myself, like, that scene is everything, and I just want that. And, and um, to me, this kind of big mel- melodramatic thing. What I mean by that is, it's I don't know, there's a connective thread between properties like Star Wars and, and and say Lord of the Rings, which deal with that kind of um, speech too. Of we shall go forth and defend. Like I just kind of mm-hmm. like that sometimes. I also like the more grand stuff. Can't wait for Andor. So we're on the day of recording, we got some little bit more Andor preview content that looks great. As mentioned. I'm crazy for Game of Thrones of the world because it's a little more grounded at times. I do like the overdramatic, melodramatic stuff. And this, for the final chapter, the Skywalker saga really worked for me on all those levels. And it's like, I am all the Sith. I am all the Jedi. Yes, you you both are. And that's why I bought a ticket. It's the last stand <laughs> of good and evil in this particular saga. Um, and then if I may, about the lightsabers, it's... Yeah, please. It is very much about the lightsabers. You, you mentioned it already. You really went to a spot that I was excited to celebrate and explore, this this handheld symbol of peace, of justice in the galaxy. And think about when you first saw a lightsaber, and a multi-generational point of view here, right? Was it Ben Kenobi showing Luke an ancient weapon used by the guardians of peace and justice? Was it, was it a, as a, a, you know, in your youth, did you see a young child on Tatooine yearning for freedom? Not just adventure, but yearning for actual freedom, seeing the symbol of hope on the belt of the mm-hmm. stranger. Uh, and for me, in truth, it, w- it was seeing a, a hilt flying through the air in a time of need and a green blade igniting so a brave soul can save his friends. Not even the galaxy in that moment, his friends. These are big concepts that the lightsabers represent and represent so much in Star Wars. And you're right, the Sith, Sith have them too. And uh, a red blade, it does look cool. I'm always excited about red <laughs> blade. Um, but this final fight kind of affirms... All that, it's, a, it's an ode to the lightsabers more than anything. It, it, it shows uh, Luke and Leia's equal footing in the saga. We're going to get into that. And it's not about blades clashing, right? It's about the, 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 the blades uniting to confront fear, to fight evil. So this is the ballad of the lightsabers is what I'm calling this fight. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I so agree about uh, both the big picture point of everything stylistically going on in this finale and the lightsabers in particular. Um I've always loved this whole scene and I think I only love it and appreciate it more as it starts to connect to more Star Wars storytelling. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, I I take a break and I haven't watched it in a little while. And then I come back to it and am reminded about just like how um, uh, just on the money, all of the ideas are, they're so clear about what they're trying to convey. Uh, and, And stylistically, yeah, I really love that it is in the ultimate in pulp, meets myth right Mm -hmm. if star wars arguably has two kind of broad birth points where george lucas is a kid and he's like i like the thrill and adventure of flash gordon and i like how you kind of don't know how he's going to get out of this next one and here's an ice monster and here's a lava Mm -hmm. dragon and i love the weirdness and in the pulp right Mm -hmm. Uh, but also i feel like kids these days need something didactic they need they need some uh, lessons conveyed in these powerful mythic ancient ways Let's combine those two things, um, two things that arguably maybe society would look at as the the lowbrow of pulp and the highbrow of ancient myth, right? And yeah. let's smash them together, and that is Star Wars. And that's so what we've been discussing about lightsabers, How because lightsabers are just like the reason that all of us treat any cylindrical object as an opportunity to pretend it's a lightsaber is because they're laser swords and they go whoosh, whoosh, and they're cool and they're fun. It's so pulpy. Uh, But then everything that makes him interesting on a deeper level is mythic. And I think the fact that 
in this finale, but Rise of Skywalker in general is really trying hard to do both. This is going to be a uh, mythic. It is going to be tied to these kind of deep specific ideas about fear versus hope and sort of embodiments of evil and embodiments of light. Um, but then also it's like, it's in a weird <laughs> pit of Hades, right? Uh, mm. Where the lightning comes up to the cracked ground, you know, and uh, there's an evil wizard hanging from a metal claw and you can pass objects, you know, through space and time to one another because of our deep connection. It's, it's so pulpy and it's so mythic. And I think the pulpy side of it is sometimes why some people don't enjoy that side of, of Star Wars as much and, and bump up against Rise of Skywalker being a little tonally and stylistically uh, different because I feel like it's almost more uh, uh, trying to celebrate that. Yeah. yeah first of all, I, I think you need to write a book called where pulp and myth meet. I think that's <laughs> a great idea. Uh, yeah, no. And I, I am so uh, behind you. Uh, you know, I say this with total love and respect. I, I th- really think you're a defender of pulp. I really think I you am. Are. I am. Uh, yeah. Proudly. And, and I think I like, you can like all these for different reasons at buffet. We talk about again, going to Andor, who knows some pulp will, will probably show up like a good glass of OJ. It will probably show up <laughs> at Andor, but it's, I, I'm going to that for a different feel. Right. Um, maybe again, maybe jury's out. We'll have to see how uh, all 12 of those episodes play out, but yeah, everything you talk about. It is, it is more, it is unlimited power. It is for Frodo. It's all the things here in star Wars. And, and I really feel fulfilled by it. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and then in terms of just like the the lightsaber uh, fight of it, you know, mm. um, I think that it, it's um, it's the lightsabers support multiple themes, right? And we're going to talk about them in more detail, but just is almost uh, an overview, right? That this idea that two are stronger than one, uh, two or more are stronger than one, which is throughout the film in numerous ways, but that's really supported by the the Skywalker twins lightsaber. Uh, mm-hmm. it, supporting this this big idea of who the Skywalkers are, right? It's it's yeah. not just two any lightsabers. It's this idea that the greatest threat to Palpatine has always been the Skywalker twins, Luke and Leia, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a he's been afraid of their power as soon as he figures out they exist, right? Um, they're a threat because they're going to turn Vader. They're this kind of endless threat. If Luke even looks at somebody else, a bunch of other Jedi are going to spring up in Palpatine's mind. <laughs> so here's those blades that are that are meaningful because they have always been standing against Palpatine in the darkness, mm. uh, but they're also personal to Ray, right? Because they represent her journey of wanting family of wanting connection. Mm. Uh, everything going on with the lightsabers is meaningful to Ray and Kylo. They've had a push pull over the Skywalker family blade thematically and literally throughout this entire trilogy. So what's happening here with them willingly passing it uh, back and forth is, you know, powerful to that we also get some straight up lightsaber action um but i think like the most important thing to me about it all is that the lightsabers are used in defense the Mm -hmm. entire finale and i think that's the thing about yep lightsabers can actually absolutely be used in defense in a lightsaber on lightsaber combat situation and in many of the lightsaber fights we've talked about that's what the hero is doing talked about other lightsaber fights where the hero is maybe confused or the hero is um drawn into a, a moment of anger like ray is in the big lightsaber on lightsaber battle in rise of skywalker yeah but this is so clearly ray and ben going okay we're grounded we know what it is to be a d- jedi we know what the purpose of these weapons is, are we know what the symbolism are of this uh, of these weapons mm-hmm. 
is, and it is pure defense. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It all set to, by the way, the greatest rock version of Ray's theme. Out there. <laughs> like, uh, what was that? The Trans-Siberian Orchestra they used to do like Christmas songs, but rock <laughs> orchestra set. That's what that William's doing that Ray theme and it's all set there. Yeah. And you're right. It's one of those things like once, you know, Kyle's got his hands full and everything, but once, once the blades are there, it, it, it's uh, thematically tied to the core of uh, the Jedi Order we grew up with. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, I love this overall because I, I enjoy literally every line Palpatine says. It's hard to pick a favorite. It really is. <laughs> Long have I waited for my grandchild to come home. It, like, that's just some, like, creepy wolf in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff oh, right yeah. there, you know? It's a kind of fairy tale. Absolutely it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last big picture thought, and then we'll start to get into some of the details. Uh, I think that... Some people struggle with this because they feel there are too many beats that are repetitive of Return of the Jedi. And I think there are beats that are uh, Star Wars poetry is uh, what I would call them. Other people would call it repetitive. Uh, fair enough. But what I do like uh, that is similar to to Luke's journey in Return of the Jedi is that for Rey, in this whole finale, she is descending into like the heart of darkness, both the galaxies and her own, right? Uh, mm -hmm. uh this idea that Luke needed to face Vader again in Return of the Jedi to help save the galaxy if he can, but also to to help save his own soul, to make sure that he doesn't become him. Mm -hmm. And I like that that's going on in this climax with Rey as well. She is going there, you know, to save the galaxy, but also to, to face herself. Yeah, intertwine. Absolutely. Intertwine. And on that theme, let's get into why Why is everybody there? What are they doing this stuff for? Uh, we like to talk about the characters, Ray, Ben, Palpatine. What's at stake? Why are they fighting? What is victory for them? Ken, let's start with Ray. For you, why is she there? What is victory? So at the center of this fight is this idea of selflessness versus selfishness, right? And, and so that's kind of hanging over a lot of this three. And, and I, I'm looking at Ray. To me, it, it's, a lot of it's accepting all the pieces she's discovered on the path thus far. Even going back to when we meet her on J Jakku, she's picking up so much information, so much of her truths, her identities, the obstacles, everything she's overcome. And then, and then at the end of it all, put it all together and kind of making this choice to be who she wants to be. And her identity is very much at stake. Like you said, she's going to confront that as well as save the galaxy. And there's a tidal wave of, of evil, doubt, insecurity, weakness, and of course, fear. And do I stand alone in the face of all that? And I think by standing up, which to me is about accepting herself and all, all of that to this point. She connects to all of us, us watching, the voices of the Jedi, and the answer back is we've always been there. And that's part of this journey. And I think it's a give love, get love situation for me. And that's all kind of at stake. It's her truth. It's her identity. Um, as well as the galaxy. You know, the weight of the galaxy. <laughs> the lightweight. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what makes it powerful and mythic, right? You could tell a story like this where you have a steadfast hero who's maybe got some other things going on and they're just, they're going to fight the good fight because that's what they do, because that's who they are, because that's who they yeah. have to be. And that there is an element of that, I think, with Rey where she wants to prove that she is a Jedi, right? We get that thread set up that she doesn't want to let Leia down, she doesn't want to let mm -hmm. Luke down. It's expressed as Leia. Uh, that is, you know, Kylo's kind of final twist of the knife before he turns uh, back to the light that she can't go back to Leia because she's let all this anger in. She has failed Leia just like he did. 
so I think that there is a desire to to prove that she can be a Jedi by doing what Jedi do to mm-hmm. stand between the darkness and the rest of the galaxy. So in some ways, yeah, the, the I think the first level of what's she there to do? What's what's victory? Saving mm-hmm. the galaxy, <laughs> you know. Uh, but I think it is so much about her personal journey as well, right? She wants to prove to herself that she can choose to be true to her spirit that Palpatine doesn't define her, right? Like Luke gives her this encouragement, but she needs to face it and test it and see if she has that resolve to stand true to her beliefs of who she is. Um, And then I think this great uh, endless battle in Star Wars uh, between fear versus hope, the dark side really, really representing fear. Uh, Palpatine is great at pushing buttons of fear Mm -hmm. and, Ray, I think, wants to face her deepest fears. I think she's uh, she's come up against them multiple times in the sequel trilogy, but I think now she's clear that, okay, th- th- that's what I fear. Luke told mm-hmm. me confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi, so I think she's specifically addressing the fear that's always been there but really emerged and is at stake throughout Rise of Skywalker that she will bring pain to her friends, right? Yeah. Uh, Palpatine pushes that button specifically by saying, hey, if you strike me down, I'll, I'll let your your friends up there in the resistance ships live uh, mm-hmm. and saying, but after all, you brought them here. Like, you did it. You know, just like you dropped that tree on BB-8 in Act 1 and then and then thought you killed Chewie and then thought you killed Leia. Like, I mean, he could have just laid yeah. it all out, but he's pushing that button, right? Uh, <laughs> Sorry, by the way, I would have loved McDarmon to be like, like you did to BB-8. <laughs> Like you dropped the tree on the astromech. Yeah. Uh, but then the yeah. ultimate, I think, greatest fear that has defined Ray in her journey is the fear of being alone, right? And uh, she is uh, goes there with the hope that she can, she can do this, goes there with sending the beacon with the hope that her friends will follow. Uh, he gets that great moment of uh, support by Ben right after Palpatine pushes that fear too and saying, mm-hmm. the only family you have here is me. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. Ben shows up, but then she appears to lose him. She It appears she's losing all of her friends. And instead of giving in to the, that, like, oh, all of my fears have come true. I am alone again. Everyone's gone. She pushes past that to the hope mm-hmm. of reaching out to the Jedi for that mm-hmm. support, for that validation, for that encouragement. Like you were saying, the things we all need. So I think at the end of the day, for me, the victory conditions for Ray are save the galaxy and push past my fears to validate who I really think I am and who I really want to be Mm -hmm. if I can get past these fears, which this is huge and pulpy. They're in an underground evil lightning cave (laughs) in an arena full of cultists. Yeah, druid-like chants. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Right? But she is facing what all of us face every day. Can I get up and can I be pushed past the fear and push past getting knocked down and be true to the person I believe I am? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something you said. That I, lo- I love it. It's a bit of a two, two-parter. It's, a, it's an ongoing journey within this over, bigger journey, right? I really, in watching it again for this episode, uh, it's a trailer moment, right? It, it, it's her, you know, she's kind of said some big words to Palpatine. She's got the saber out. But she still does feel she's alone. And I think there's this, she stands brave. She stands t- stands tall. And 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 when she feel, feels Ben, and when she starts to see him, this is right before the big uh, saber exchange, right? Mm-hmm. There's a look on Ray's face. Daisy Ridley playing it. It is just 
I don't know. There's some great power in that, but it's not the end. It's not the end. And, and you're right. She loses Kylo or Ben. He falls down and this and that. And, and that's, it leads to the big thing. But I just love the, that moment. It, it is kind of like you find strength of, I'm going to do this myself. And in saying that or doing that, you find out who was really around you. And can you accept it? And can you reach out to it? Yeah, no, I mean, that look on her face is just like the 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 look of, oh, I'm not alone, you know? Oh. I'm not alone. Yeah, it's so mm-hmm. powerful, so powerful. Uh, so speaking of Ben, let's move on to good old Ben Solo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what do you feel like is uh, at stake for Ben? Why is he there? What is victory for Ben Solo? Yeah, redemption song. Fighting for what his mother stood for is one thing that comes to mind. Fighting for the cause since his father made the choice to fight. Uh, and that great uh, dream-like conversation with his dad. And, and, and in a lot of ways, again, there's other things, bigger things always at stake here. But fighting for his family in the past he tried to destroy comes to mind. Fighting mm. for Ray to be Ray, kind of like now, you know, I'm sorry for all the things I've uh, done and all the things I've said to you. Uh, I'm no longer struggling with her over anything. I, I'm there to affirm her place in the story. Uh, I think that's one of the things I think he's there for, too. He's going there um, for her in a way, again, a lot of other things that you can pull out of what he's needing to go there for, including maybe defeating uh, the Palpatine that he knows exists because he's already met him. But I love this idea. If he's fighting to protect the connection he has with Ray, he can't do this alone either. Um, and, and I go back to one of the first things we hear is, is Laura Santaka. I know where you came from and you cannot deny the truth. You cannot deny your family, you cannot deny your heart. And that's where the conflict has been in him for uh, this whole journey. And I think he goes back for all of that and uh, connecting it to Leia, connecting it to Han, connecting it to Ray and him uh, kind of going, I need to have a part in this. I need to make this decision to be there. Yeah, no, I still agree with you. I think there are, you know, layers to it. I think there is definitely the the save the galaxy. I think he understands having been uh, wrapped and twisted in the dark side, what it is and what, you know, the thing that he has just freed himself from that horrible cold, lonely, empty existence of just always uh, pushing everyone away and grabbing for more and more and more uh, that that's, that's Palpatine and that's coming for the whole galaxy and that's it. Right. So yeah. I think he's got like this in intimate understanding of what's at stake. Um, but then particularly in the way it's performed, the way it's shot, it, it's so personal for him. Right. Mm-hmm. It, 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 there, 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 you can absolutely kind of assume some like, okay, I've, I've, I've returned, to the light, I'm reconnecting to the light side of the force. I have a responsibility. I helped put this in motion. I need to set things right. You can assume that that stuff's there, but I kind of feel like what we see on screen is so personal, right? Yeah. It, it yeah. is that memory of like when he's talking to his father of if it's been in his head for this long of like, there's no point in turning around and making a better choice because my mother will never take me back. I've lost her. Mm -hmm. I've lost, you know, uh, everything basically if I've lost her. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and Han saying, you know, she might be gone, but what she stood for, what she fought for, you know, I so agree with you that he is there for his mother, right? She Mm -hmm. is there for what she stood for, what she fought for. Yeah. What, what his father chose, uh, to, to fight for, uh, standing by his mother's side. That's huge. And then the to to be there for Ray, right? Um, mm-hmm. It is really like it, it is the the light side version of what he's he's tried to be there for her before. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He's tried to be with her, right? Like he's offered his hand, right? But he's offered his hand with a uh, manipulation and 
caveats. <laughs> it was a gloved hand. It was a dark leather, black gloved hand. Right. And it, it, it was like, yeah, neither of us have to be together. So uh, why don't you change? Mm-hmm. <laughs> why don't you fall to the dark side? Why don't you, Ray, be uh, who I tell you to be? Uh, and this is the offering his hand selflessly, right? With There, yeah. there are no strings attached. It's just, yeah. uh, you don't have to be alone. I don't want you to be alone. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's just, I am here for you. So you don't have to stand alone. Yeah, and, and, and this uh, true support of, of, of all these things, uh, you know, she's been told she is or wanted to be or couldn't be. And I love that he's just there in a weird way. Uh, you could say just supporting her decision. Like, I'm here <laughs> with you there, but uh, connecting to because, uh, you know, she's got uh, the big found family stuff going on when he's got the family he had that he tried to destroy and run away from her. And that's some of the stuff that he's dealing with. And and, and, and it's two sides of, of the coin a lot of times in life. So, uh, again, going back to Force Awakens and the Tunal Village, just bringing it all back to that. And he's there acting like his father, but fighting for what his mother stood for. The shrugs, the finger points, everything. <laughs> really on skin, you know, works. For yeah, me. absolutely. Yeah, he, he's there to be charming, too. That's his other goal, just to be <laughs> charming as hell. Uh, I think a little bit easier to analyze, perhaps, is Sheev Palpatine, <laughs> Darth Sidious, hanging from an omen harness. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you feel like uh, Palpatine wants in this fight? How does yeah. he win? Yeah, just want, just wants to win, right? That's the win. What? To what? Just win, baby. No, <laughs> uh, I love this. Uh, love this stuff here. I, I think uh, to me, I was trying like never having to let go. Unlimited power mm-hmm. forever and ever. Amen. I'll take your energy. I'll take your energy. I'll take it uh, from both of you at the same time. Whatever it is, uh, he's going to take it. And uh, also, he doesn't have to face the truth that his time is up and good can stand against evil. He doesn't want to let go, man. And he needs to win to prove that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I feel like Palpatine's motivation is always the same, right? It is power, Mm -hmm. unlimited power, uh, getting more, uh, winning, victory, only he should rule, only his voice matters, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But on a practical level, this is, you know, more mythic, more pulpy, this Mm -hmm. idea of it isn't just turning Ray to the dark side, right? It's possessing Mm -hmm. a young woman's body and making her power his. Mm-hmm. I think it really goes to that idea of like, you know, he, he's surprised by the dyad energy and he is able to restore himself and is he's happy. He's happier with that. Right. Of like, OK, yep. great. Everything else was, was BS. Yep. <laughs> what ideally I want to restore the one true emperor. But before he figures out he can do that. Right. Mm-hmm. His victory condition is I am not going to accept that my attempt to cling to life is unnatural. And, you know, uh, the organic (laughs) uh, physical galaxy is rejecting it. I cannot find a clone that will last. So I'm here hanging and rotting. Uh, Mm -hmm. I will literally take this woman's body and I will sell her a bill of goods that we're we're kind of, we'll kind of (laughs) co-drive. Yeah. You'll be Empress Palpatine. You'll be sitting on the throne, but you know, I'll be there too, (laughs) you know, is, Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, if my best friend pitched me that, I would say, oh, let's <laughs> talk about the details more. But if an evil sorcerer is like, I just want to co-live with you in your body, I would not mm-hmm. believe it for a second. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love what you're saying, too. Is it's one of the things you and I uh, talk about Palpatine a lot of. He's great with those plans, but along the way, he's like, oh, well, I wasn't plan- planning for that, but I'll take that, too. I'll roll with this. I'll spin into something great for me. And I think that's a, a lot of the dance with uh, Kylo at the beginning and whether or not uh, how much of that is to get uh, Kylo to bring her 
there. We'll never really know. Palpatine, uh, he always seems to win when he comes up with his little plans on the fly. So I love all that. I love what you're saying um, about uh, him, uh, the possession. It's not just, uh, it's not just a join the dark side. Here's a rub. It's give me you. Yeah. Give me everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I always take it as he says exactly what he means to Kylo. He fears the Jedi and he knows <laughs> he yeah. knows Ray's true spirit. He just is hoping that that he can break her, right? I think he wanted yeah. her when she was young and more impressionable that he could more manipulate more easily over a longer period of time. Uh, he wants Kylo to eliminate the Jedi threat. He doesn't need her running around the galaxy being an inspiration to other mm-hmm. people in a, in a threat. Uh, and then uh, Leia, the princess of Aldron, spoils his plan and he pivots, right? Yeah. <laughs> And he's good at it and good at finding those fear buttons and, and pressing them. The, the other uh, interesting thing to me about this particular Palpatine uh, scene is he, of course, wants unlimited power. He wants to live forever. But he's also just really wants petty revenge, right? Like mm-hmm. he wants revenge on the galaxy. He's mad at the galaxy for having... <laughs> stood up against him right yeah uh, he's not in hiding just he he in the actual dialogue he has a, a laundry list uh his bleep list of people that he, yeah. he wants to pay back right he's mad at the story of rebellion uh <laughs> he is mad at the skywalkers themselves right that petty line of his once i fell so falls the last skywalker he's mad at the idea of jedi so i really like that it isn't just i want unlimited power but i have a checklist Mm-hmm. of concepts and specific people and specific groups <laughs> that dared to challenge the essential truth that I should rule all. Like if he won, I feel like he'd be like, and where's that Wookiee? <laughs> I remember yeah. he ran around with everybody who pissed me off. I'm getting him too. Right. And and then we're going to that, that moon with the bears and I'm wiping out every one of the Like there's yeah. a petty vengeance going on too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Skywalker stuff has always been great. Even, uh, even if it's Snoke and whether we've always talked about how much agency Snoke has over his, his own mind and words, but I, I still think even if he's Snoke completely is hundred percent himself, he's probably sat down at a coffee with Palpatine and Palpatine's like that Skywalker, that Luke, we got to get him. And Snoke kind of feels, <laughs> uh, feels that energy too. Yeah, you're right. It's like, and let me speak out against uh, those who believe in empathy and compassion. And uh, he just rolls down the list. Uh, again, because this is a character, this, this new canon thing of he kept tabs on everyone. And if you fudged some forms, uh, you have some moral f- crack. Uh, you know, he's he knows he he's down. He's he is that petty. He is that small. He needs to see where, it, uh, where, where he can uh, manipulate you. Over. Now I want to hear Ian McDermott say that I have seen your moral crack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So at the end of the day, Palpatine. Uh, power mm-hmm. unlimited power. Uh, Ray mm-hmm. save the galaxy. Prove uh, to herself uh, that she is the person that she needs to be. And for Ben, are we saying ultimately uh, that his main goal, saving the galaxy, uh, living up to the ideals of his of his family, uh, mm-hmm. but also just be there for Ray, man? Right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so we always like to talk about how the environment helps the story or the thrill factor of the lightsaber combat. Uh, so how do you think this very unique, very specific environment helps tell this story or, or make the lightsaber parts more thrilling? An arena of darkness with the greatest evil in the galaxy staring down our heroes. Your honor, I rest my case. Like that's 
It's all you need. Throw in some lightning. All the stuff we talked about, the Druid chanting, the, the Sith cultists, uh, the Sith eternal fleet built in secret. All these kind of things that, yeah, you know, I understand we don't have the immediate nuts and bolts of how they put the nuts and bolts together to build the Star Destroyers. That's rolling out in time. There's a lot of big questions around it. I, I, I just, I can't reiterate enough. Just, it is what it is on screen. It, it's, the themes aren't hiding. It is mm-hmm. truly going down into the pit of Hades. I, I always say that. I always talk about Mordor, which is not subtle either, <laughs> you know? Uh, and, and that's what this is about. And it's the final uh, saga. It's the final chapter in the saga, I should say. So, yeah, it just it just ramps it all up for me and takes it out of uh, – it specifically it makes it not grounded for me mm-hmm. uh, so that I can place myself in it, so I can place my own – struggles and doubts and fears and inspirations and needs. I, I can see myself in all of the moments in this uh, and as well as see it for Ray and see it for Ben and see it for what it is. See it for Lando and Nine Numb and Poe and Snap Wexley, rest in peace. Like there's, there's so much going on uh, above and below and down below. And I just love it. I'm here for it. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I love it. It, it, for the the pit of Hades thing, the, the belly of the beast idea, this mythic idea uh, has been in Star Wars in many different ways. Everything from, you know, Luke is referring to the, the trash compactors is a belly of the beast uh, motif. This is kind of like the ultimate belly of the ultimate beast, right? Yeah. It is um, it is the the Sith stripped of any masks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what's really powerful and interesting to me about it on sort of like a mythic level and on a variety level. How is it how is it different than the Death Star to Throne Room, right? Um, mm-hmm. It is uh, throughout the Rise of Skywalker, it, it is a slightly different take on Palpatine in the Sith of like uh, it, it isn't uh, Palpatine kind of using the government as a bit of a mask. This is ripping off the mask and saying this is exactly who we are. This is exactly what, what we are, uh, you know. Forget, uh, you know, tell Cersei it was me. It's tell the whole galaxy it's me. It's the it's the Sith. Tell I want I want when you die, I want the Sith on your lips. I want you to know it, what we are, yeah. right? Yeah. And the fact that this is this kind of ancient hidden place. It's the true home that down in, in the belly where even the the planet is kind of ripping apart and angry and that you know mm-hmm. cold, lonely. Uh, awful screeching lightning shooting up from the ground. Screeches, Um, yes. The screeches. One of the best sound designs in Star Wars, in my opinion. Um, And then the the throne there, it's not, you know, it has some relationship with the Death Star throne and with Vader's throne and that, but it's just, it's ancient and stabby. It's like it has, (laughs) there's no lies to it. There's there's no veneer of polite society to it. And then to kind of go along with all this, that all, this is mask off Sith throughout Rise mm-hmm. of Skywalker is it's in arena. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it. Yeah, it's it's, you know, on their secret world down in the, the bottom of, of mm-hmm. the structure. But it's still in arena, which gives it this sort of like um, gladiator vibe. Right. It's like yeah. evil Dodgers Stadium that gives <laughs> it a different vibe than. Uh, the the throne room, which is like it's a, it's a leader's command center, but like and, and there's some elements of that we talked about in the in the Return of the Jedi fight where Palpatine's kind of up there and it's almost like he is at the mm-hmm. top of a sort of uh, coliseum in the in the audience seats, and then the fight with Luke and Vader, they're they're on a stage for him fighting for him in the pit. Mm-hmm. Um, but this takes that idea to kind of this next level uh, mm-hmm. where you know Ray is literally being watched by thousands of cultists it just gives it this different uh vibe and energy 
Uh, yeah, no, right there with you, obviously. But I love, uh, definitely appreciate the Lady Olena reference there in, in Seven <laughs> Game of Thrones. But also Christoph Waltz saying, it was me, James, the author of All Your Pain. I uh, just kind of love, uh, sometimes, uh, I don't know, there's something I could just kind of like that. It's just, uh, yeah, this is the great battle of good and evil. And, and evil was always there. Yeah. Plus for Thrill, there are big holes in the ground, which for me, yes. you either got to be lightsaber fighting in a high place you can fall off of, or there have to be big random holes. <laughs> yeah. 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 So uh, what realities of filmmaking do you think about when you watch this fight? Here's where I went. I, I, I don't know if this uh, stays within the uh, boundaries of this question here, but the realities for me start with the development process. And even uh, before the writing, uh, even before pen to paper or fingers to keyboards, however you want to say it, uh, how do you take this home? You know, once, you know, forget all the behind the scenes drama and stuff, but once whoever gets this film, how do you take it home? And not just the movie, the saga, a saga. And I just can't, I can't help it. It's, it's daunting. Um, and you're never going to make everyone happy. So you have to go with what you believe in. And through that, you connect with those who've always been with you. That it's almost this meta theme. I don't think that was intentional necessarily. I don't think Terry and Abrams are like, let's connect to the Star Wars fans who've been with us since episode seven. No, but it kind of ends up working that way. The, the the movie plants its flag here. It says, this is what we're building to. This is the final fight. And the reality is, is we're going to do this and we're going to see who connects with it. And we're going to stand tall and uh, we'll see who shows up to join the fight with us. And I really uh, go to that before you actually go in any any other uh, the filmmaking uh, processes yeah no i mean it, it's a fun visual to imagine filmmakers uh you know whispering be with me be with me <laughs> uh but i really like what you're saying i think one of the things about the filmmaking process that i think about it, the more i watch it is uh the script is hyper specific and as always it's really fine if if you don't like it but i really strongly disagree with any criticism that it's lazy uh mm -hmm. the script is laser focused every line every beat is in support of these large themes uh that have always been there in star wars but but to your great point the the team involved with this led by jj abrams uh said what is star wars at the end of the day it is fear versus hope mm -hmm. if this is a family story why do we value family because we are stronger together because we are a, 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 a we, we don't just exist as individuals. Yes, we are individuals and it matters what our individual choices are, but we are also uh, symbiotic with everything around us, with our immediate family, with the larger family of the planet, with the larger family of the galaxy. So let's take these core themes, fear versus hope, the importance that that two are truly better than one. And let's be laser focused on them. And it's really amazing. There's there's no there's no wiggle room. That's what the, in my assessment, that's what every beat of this conflict is about. That's what every line of this conflict is about. Those core themes that they said to mm -hmm. us, this is the core of Star Wars to the, the core of the Skywalker saga. Yeah, uh, you have my vote. Uh, absolutely. No, really. I really believe what you're saying there. And again, I think it just... Um, how do you do that? Right. You know, how do we, how just to be a whiteboard in a, in a conference room. <laughs> All right. What is star Wars and how do we get there? Um, <laughs> but and, I mean, yeah. You, you, yeah, you build on everything that's come before, right. Of, yeah. of who is Pal everything we talked about, who's Palpatine, what does he want? Uh, who yeah. are Ben and Ray? What do they want? You know, 
the question for the whole resistance is, can they keep this spark alive? And if they do, will more people follow them? Um, you know, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Um, I, I think I just get kind of kind of passionate because uh, I understand that, you know, people are going to have their favorites between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. And I think there are real big tonal differences between the two. Yeah. But in terms of the ideas, I feel like a lot of Rise of Skywalker is building on all the ideas that were there. It's not starting with a blank slate and going, oh, what are we going to do? <laughs> no. And, and I think you you would uh, say it, it goes back to, you know, episode one. It goes to, you know, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon standing before Boss Ness and symbiote circles and what do we do? What do we do? You know, how do we build from there? It's all there. It's all, all strung out to me. Yeah, no, absolutely. A, a bunch of different wonderful thoughts that people have shared about, you know, mm -hmm. Anakin quoting his mom, Shmi, that the problem is that no one helps each other, right? I mean, everything uh, uh, can be tied back to those themes. Uh, other, other filmmaking things I think about is just, uh, I want as many behind the scenes photos uh, someday as we can possibly get for Ian McDermott filming this. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's the great shot from one of the prequel films of him uh, taking a little, a little sip of water, all dressed up as Palpatine. <laughs> right, right. So I want to see him taking a, a water sip breaks in the Omen harness. I think about that a lot. Uh, <laughs> and the final thing I think about a lot is uh, just the sound effect design. Um, there's mm -hmm. a lot of great technical things going on in this big finale, but uh, I think between the lightning and the way the sound drops out, when the Skywalker blade flies into Ray's hand, mm. uh, it, it, it's so well done to me of, you know, uh, Palpatine screaming, uh, I am all the Sith, right? He's screaming it and it is over this sort of cacophony of noise, right? Mm. And the sound dropping out, not only does it for the, for us, the audience, you know, get us to like put the emphasis on that of the, of the lightsaber flying into mm. her hand, but it's almost like that's Ray's reality. Palpatine's all screaming and noise. In Ray's reality, when she is standing there confident and strong, is it's it's calm and centered mm -hmm. and quiet in the middle of the storm. And she is confident that she is all the Jedi. So, like, the sound design is just cool, but the sound design also just really, really builds the the story of what is different between these two people. I love that. And, and going back to the stadium analogy, she's just, uh, you know, here's nothing but the baseball flying at her bat, you know? <laughs> oh, oh and Palpatine is the baseball. Uh, <laughs> excellent. Uh, any other thoughts before we take a quick break? Uh, uh, no, I'll get, during the break, I'm going to go watch this again. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. 
Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We'll be back in about a half an hour or so. Back in a moment. And we are back to continue discussing this big climax finale of Rise of Skywalker and the lightsaber use in it. A lot of stuff we've been talking about is the the general scene, the general uh, uh, conflict, the design, what the characters want. But we want to be able to spend plenty of quality time on what's actually going on being said with the lightsabers. So we're going to zero in on the specific beats of lightsaber use and discuss them a little bit. So, Ken, let's start at the beginning uh, Palpatine wants Rey to use the Skywalker blade to strike him down in a ritual of hate that will allow Palpatine to possess her. Uh, to you, what is important, interesting, fun about this lightsaber use? It's just this uh, simple little puzzle of, hey, what you want is what I want, huh? 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 And you just have to <laughs> unlock that riddle and change your perspective on it. It's aggression versus defense, hate versus love, justice versus vengeance. And that that big line from Ray, you, you want me to hate, but, you know, well, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but like, uh-uh, not today. I just love it. It's everything to me. It's everything to me because it's what's at play there. Because, you know, uh, not to to break it outside the, the, the walls of this podcast, but there's 
sometimes you still get some of that discourse around the, well, I don't, he want, if he wanted her to kill her and she wanted to kill him and Kyla wanted to kill, he wins, he gets what he wants. It's, it's the how, it's the, it's the why behind it. That's, that's what this is about. And, and to see her get that, to unlock that little riddle, because I think the dark side does that to all of us, that, that quicker, easier, more seductive thing is, is, you know, she could have easily just been like, hey, you're right. I will strike you down, you monster. And and then you've fallen. You've slipped on the banana pill and you've you've lost the day. Uh, and she unlocks that riddle. That's just it's just kind of fun. It's interesting, but it's just kind of fun and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's what's powerful about it to me is Ray has gone through this journey in over the course of the sequel trilogy, but in this film in particular with, I have accepted the mantle of Jedi. I know it is a lot of power. I have seen up close from Kylo and from Snoke, what happens when that power is used uh, poorly. I've seen how torn up Luke is about the fear of even using that power poorly. I know how much I don't want to let Leia down or Finn or Bo or Rose. And she's got put all this uh, pressure on herself uh, and, and she has stumbled, right? Uh, when, when Kylo tells her that Palpatine is basically responsible for her parents' death, she's got that great little scene with Finn where she says she's going to go to Exegol and end him, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, it's not overplayed, but it is definitely with a spirit of vengeance, right? And Finn's like, yeah, this isn't like yeah. you, you yeah. know? Uh, and then she, and then she gives in to all that understandable totally relatable fear and anger of these the, the dark monsters are chasing her claiming that she's going to be one she lashes yeah. out and she lashes out at kylo in, in that fight and it does not get her what she wants and it sets her stumbling back so i feel like she enters this fight clear of mind of that's mm-hmm. not what i'm here to do yeah. i'm not here to give into vengeance because i have seen where that goes that's not what i want to be that's not who i am that's not mm-hmm. who my parents were uh, that's not who Luke and Leia are, and I'm not gonna do it. Um, so I think it, it's it's uh, she is more well guarded against the manipulation than Palpatine realizes. Yeah, no, she she knows the score. She she knows the game plan. She's unlocking it and and putting all the stuff together. Yeah, but you're right. It, it's uh, and he's of course he's just gonna assume. Why would you know? It, it's go even go to Cassian Andor, steal from the Empire. You just walk in. They don't think you're gonna get there. <laughs> Yeah, like, long, you know? Of course, of course you want to kill me. And like, and, and that's the great thing too, is like, this is what we talk about with Jedi. It's, it's not that they're just like, Oh, I, I had a video game choice uh, to take path A or t- path B. I took path A and now I'm good all the time. It's yeah. like, I think stand there in front of him. She does want to cut him down, but she's yeah. not going to give into that. Right. Totally. And it is all about the how, right. Mm. Um, and, and I think Palpatine is, uh, that's what's happening to me specifically with the lightsaber, right? Uh, Palpatine doesn't say, you know, uh, kill me, dealer's choice. He's not like, blast me, choke me, bash my skull with a rock. It's yeah. take out your Jedi weapon. Then with the stroke of her saber, the Sith are reborn, the Jedi are dead. <laughs> uh, it's the, he wants to per, uh, pervert not just Ray, he wants to pervert that weapon. Yeah. You know? mm. He wants her to use that Jedi weapon that symbol of peace and defense lies in his perspective. And he wants her to use it honestly for revenge, for hatred, for attack. As he has convinced someone else to use that exact blade in that way. And he thinks he can do it again. I, I love this too. It, it, it goes into your idea of he's real petty too. There's a lot of big themes that play with that blade, but also him like, and then I'll use that blade to just make the Sith win. Oh, it'll be great. <laughs> 
Yeah, specifically that blade. <laughs> yeah. I can soil the Skywalker name. Yes, I can soil the blade of Skywalker mm-hmm. once again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so I, I think, again, that, that's the thing that gets into the, the mythic, but also the pulpy. This is a ritual that we don't know all the details about, right? It's some yeah. weird Sith ritual uh, that has got these specific beats uh, that he is describing to his audience of sycophants uh, in yeah. the lightsaber being used not just to to strike someone down, but to specifically strike someone down with anger and revenge in their heart is part of this pulpy ritual that mm. he is trying to enact. Mm. Mm. Love that. I love that. So uh, moving on then, because I could say pulpy ritual forever, and I might. Uh, Ray defies Palpatine, and she passes the Skywalker blade to Ben Solo through their Force Dyad connection. What is uh, important, interesting, fun about this lightsaber use to you, Ken? I think there's something uh, – you've talked a lot about this and it's been in, in the center for a lot of our discussions. And, and it's um, – you know, so definitely want to pass the, the podcast blade to you here. But um, <laughs> we spent three movies, some comics, some books, coloring books I'm sure as well that uh, – you know, fighting over this blade, right? They've just it's, – it's what's at the center of a lot of it, literally. It's the visuals. And and just have Ray willingly pass his blade to Ben Solo, not Kylo. Obviously, she feels him there. She wants him there. I don't know. It just was, it was beautiful. <laughs> if I could be melodramatic, it was beautiful. It's touching. It's important. It's simple, small, and it's one of those like, oh, that's cool. I didn't know we could do that too. As we learn more things uh, in each movie that you can do with the Force if you just believe. So all was there. I just love how it played out. And again, we talked about the actual moment. I think the look on uh, Ray's face is played by Daisy Ridley in that moment. And even even that little like, yeah, 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 from Ben. Um, mm-hmm. Almost not to say like I'm worthy, but just like, no, yeah, yeah. I'm here with you. I'm here for you. Do it. And we're going to do this together. Ah, it's beautiful stuff, man. Yeah, I feel like I feel like he that they sense everything going on with one another, maybe even physically see, mm-hmm. uh, even though it's not presented to us, the audience that way, maybe they even physically see everything and, and he sees this idea in her mind. And it, that one feels like, yeah, good idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do it, do it. I'm ready. Um, yeah. I mean, the, there's some like deep stuff about this, obviously uh, that makes it really emotional, but mm-hmm. I, I just also want to start at, for me, it is one of the coolest lightsaber moments in, in all of star Wars, right? Like, just shot for shot, beat for beat, uh, the big melodramatic setup of it. Uh, Palpatine being sure he's won to the point where he closes his eyes and gets yeah, ready for yeah. that blissful strike of hate, you know, perverting that weapon and killing the Jedi. Uh, and then just Ray's magic hand reveal is a great shot. Uh, <laughs> ben pulling it out in the great Knights of Ren stumbling back, right? Mm-hmm. And then to top it all off, you know, the Ben Solo shrug of like, mm-hmm. okay, yep, now now I'm ready to go. Now ready. Now ready. <laughs> it's, it, it's just cool. Every beat of it is cool and fun. On, on that too, connected. Again, I know some of this doesn't play with everybody. Uh, we're always trying to be understanding that. I just, I tie a lot of this to what I now love specifically about Revenge of the Sith that I didn't always love myself. Unlimited power was a bad moment for me for a while until it became one of my favorite because I, I think I bought into more of the themes and everything behind it. And George going, no, more, louder, over the top, because that's kind of what's at the center of this, uh, this uh, silly little space saga we all love. And so I don't know if, if, if you're there for some of the Revenge of the Sith stuff, which is really dramatic, 
really dramatic. All the stuff with Anakin and Obi-Wan, it's so over the top in the most wonderful way because it is this myth on the shores of uh, Mordor itself, essentially. Hell. Mm -hmm. So I I think it's there's a connective thread. Uh, and 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 I'm not, I'm not saying that everyone who loves Revenge of the Sith loves Rise of Skywalker or loves this specific stuff. But even in here, when you describe it, it's not unlike the God henceforth, all those things that people kind of made fun of over the years until they loved it, or the generation that just always loved it, or the fans that just always loved it, because those exist too. Um, yeah, I just I I I, I love all of that. See, because you mentioned the the, the the Knights of Ren, what yoinks? Like it's just. <laughs> I'm there for it. And I know, I understand if you're not, I get it. Uh, I, I can at least try to see your side on that, but it just, I'm not lying. I just love every beat of it. It's emotional. It pulls me in, but also the, Oh, magic trick vibe of Ray going in and here. And, just, and, and Palpatine, clo- of course he closes his eyes. He's not, he doesn't anticipate anything going wrong for him, or there's nothing he can't control. Cause he's palpy baby. And from Padme to Leia and now Ray and Luke all the way, everyone's always throwing a little uh, wrench in his machine there, and I like it. Yeah, because no matter how many times he gets defeated or no matter how many times people defy his expectations, his truth is everyone is selfish and out for themselves. Uh, and, yeah. and everybody wants vengeance more than anything. So, of course, Ray's going to break, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, you know, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I love what you're saying, and it is a quick divergence, but, like, um. I think I will get a little bit more passionate and in, in, um, still try to state it as opinion, but defend what is in the film and what is being said, because I feel like mm-hmm. one can point to evidence in the text, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then there is the just taste, what you like, what you don't like. Uh, and, and that's just everybody's individual thing for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I could stand in front of a random group of, of Star Wars fans of all ages and say, Part of the reason I like Rise of Skywalker is because it feels a little bit more just bonkers pulpy like the prequels. I like Rise of Skywalker because it's closer to the prequels. And I feel like some of the audience would applaud and go, yes. And a bunch of people would show back at me. Yes, we know. That's why we don't like Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on it. I'm with you on it. It gets into a bigger discussion of of discourse. I just wish people would be a little bit more honest about. Uh, you know, this just, this isn't my taste, right? This isn't yep. my taste. It happens. Yep. It happens. There's, there's things out there people love. They've suggested it to me. I've seen it or been around it. And I'm like, you know, it isn't for me. Last Kingdom or whatever that show is. Yeah. It just doesn't click with me in the way Game of Thrones did. Sorry. And, and it glad it clicked with you. And that's what it is. Yep. And yep. And so be it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So uh, talking a little bit about, uh, you know, Ray passing the blade to Kylo and talked about the, the fun of it and, and some of the pulpiness of it. But yeah, I think the, the depth of it is really powerful, right? I think mm-hmm. it's for me, I like stories where um, characters have happy moments that are earned through all of the hell they go through. And mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's really a moment like that. That's what makes it powerful to me, right? Because Ray mm-hmm. and uh, Kylo Ben have had this intimate connection and the intimate connection has been many things. The first moment of intimate connection is an invasion of Kylo forcing himself into Ray's mind and her forcing back into his mind and seeing his great fear that he won't live up to Vader, right? Uh, and then in Last Jedi, there there is a, a first an unwanted connection there, kind of both mutually invading one another's uh, space and intimacy and uh, becoming close over that. In the moment of their greatest closeness, when they touch fingers, uh, they see one another's minds and entirely misinterpret what's there to think that <laughs> the other is just going to do what the other wants, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, then that connection 
in the earlier parts of Rise of Skywalker became, becomes uh, stalking, basically. Kylo mm-hmm. just won't stop <laughs> yeah. uh, p- popping up and, and Ray can't, you know, block the call. Uh, the, the connection becomes a threat to her friends when he is able to discover where she is. So this connection, this deep intimacy has been many things. Mm-hmm. And now finally, it's pure. And it's what it should be. It's about symbiosis. It's about being stronger together. So for me, there's this whole arc of what has their connection been? And this is a moment of victory uh, where their connection is finally what it should be. And yeah, that this long, long story of them pushing and pulling Mm -hmm. that specific blade down to, you know, Ray throwing it to him in in The Last Jedi because she thinks he's heading in a different direction than he is. Uh, This is to me, Ray having totally accepted that blade. She's not trying to pass it off to anybody else. She is fully giving him the blade because he both needs it for defense and he deserves it because she can sense, you know, that's not Kylo's hand reaching out. That's Ben's hand. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. I I wish you could just track it from, uh, give me that. That's mine. Take it. Nope, you don't deserve it. Give that back to me. Do I want this? I'm, I don't deserve it. Oh, now you deserve it. I mean, that's just put down the beats of the saber, of them fighting yeah. over the saber. Yeah, and I mean, and, and, and I know we've talked about uh, some of this stuff before, but I really want to highlight it because this is why we're talking about it in magic of lightsaber fights. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because yes. this lightsaber it has always been imbued with meaning, but in particular in the sequel trilogy, it's really imbued with these meanings of uh, legacy and ownership and sharing and defense and uh, yeah. Luke taking up the image of that blade uh to be a myth and to say, yes, I do believe the Jedi should continue. Uh, it's really powerful how it's used in, in uh, this climax. Yeah. Uh, and then going from the depth, we go to some straight up fighting time. <laughs> Keep the thrill going. We see Ben use the Skywalker blade to defeat the Knights of Ren. Uh, what's important, interesting, fun. What do you like about uh, this just straight up lightsaber combat? Ken? Well, the humor level is high. The shrug is also damn funny. Uh, <laughs> everything about it. There's a lot true, of it. And, yeah. And also, you know, this is this is truly the son of Solo here. Uh, Leia, yes, too. But I'm just you look at Han, the finger point, every, everything, and we t- even when he jumps and ow, it's just it, it, it's yeah. played that way and it works that way. And so, therefore, in, in a lot of ways, um, two two things come to mind. Yeah, well, actually, you just mentioned too, going back to the Force Awakens uh, dual interrogation scene where she, I, oh, I know the truth, you'll never be uh, uh, Darth Vader. It's your great fear. And and in this moment here, there's a lot of acceptance by him of who he is and a glimpse of what he could have been. And it's Ben Solo. It's not Anakin Skywalker. It's not Darth Vader. It's not even Han Solo. It's himself. And I think there's a lot of, uh, it's bittersweet because it's lost time that he, in the end, will never really get back. But I think that's a lot about what I love about that fight. It is him uh, uh, fighting like his father in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. uh, surfaced and on the uh, deep down below. But uh, uh, in this moment, there is no longer that fear of, uh, I won't be Darth Vader. Uh, he is Ben Solo. And it's pretty powerful to watch. Yeah, I, I love that and goes to some of the great stuff you were saying about, you know, his, his motivations and his victory conditions for being there. Like, mm-hmm. it, it is amazing to think about, like, some of what made him uh, so uh, easy to manipulate. I, mm-hmm. I don't want to say easy to manipulate. Some of what led him open to manipulation by Snoke slash Palpatine mm-hmm. uh, is probably feeling like he's not getting to make his own choices. He's not getting to decide who he is. So I love what you're saying of, like, when he finds that Thai scout and, and goes to Exegol, he is totally making that choice 
himself. Right. Mm-hmm. And that must give him such a, a conviction. Um, yeah. yeah I, I love that within this uh, whole big uh, finale that, you know, doesn't like keep saying, have the full on lightsaber and lightsaber combat that there is just still some fun lightsaber combat. Um, yeah. Yeah. A couple of things I love in particular is uh, I love to see the twirling motion, right? Mm, um, yeah. Cause he doesn't really fully do that with his cross card. He does lots of cool, interesting moves with the cross card. Right. Yeah. But that full, just like I'm kind of working up to a next swing that he does with that Skywalker blade. Uh, every time I see that, it's like, well, that's Luke's training coming back. Right. Yeah. And the way he spins it, the way he twirls it, he is twirling it like his namesake, Ben Kenobi. And I just really mm. love that kind of initial moment in the fight. Yeah. There you go. No, that's some uh, good old fashioned lightsaber style. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the, uh, the whole thing to me, uh, uh, this might be a little bit of a uh, headcanon uh, of interpretation, but the whole thing feels like he is getting back into the flow of like, this is what it is to tap into the light side, right? Yeah. Uh, to be doing this out of pure defense because I have to, because it's a part of a bigger picture, not because I'm uh, throwing a fit, uh, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, selfish versus selfless. Um, and I always take it as the kind of like, okay, okay, I know how to do this. I know how to do this. But it's also a very Han Solo moment, that uh, moment where he uh, blocks uh, behind his back mm-hmm. and takes the little breath, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's almost a Han Solo like being loud and cocky with the twirls. And then as soon as his face is away from the enemy, he's like, oh boy, okay, I got this. I got this, right? I got this. Yeah, I got this. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Yeah. And even though it's, you know, it's big over the top action, flipping through the air and stabbing people, uh, it still is to me defense, right? It's, it's live or die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I, I hinted earlier, like, hey, he's got some things he's got to deal with, but I think you're right. He, he, Kylo in a mask would have just come down there and just sliced everyone in two because why not? This is not that situation. He's kind of going to stop the fight. Who knows if the Knights of Ren have said, boss, buddy, you're here and thrown down their weapons and teamed up to fight Palpatine. That was on the table maybe for Ben. I don't know. So I'm with you on that idea. Oh, yeah. If they if they were like, yeah, he'd be like, you know, yeah, take the masks off and help me. You know, I, 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 yeah, I don't he's not slaughtering them out of like you guys are jerks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's uh, life or death, I think, is uh, it, it's made clear in the film the way they surround him and the way they violently attack him. Right. It's life or death yeah. for him. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, so moving on, Ray ignites Leia Organa Solo's blade to defend against the attack of Palpatine's sovereign protectors. What's important, interesting, fun about this, Ken? Well, uh, look, uh, this doesn't happen without Leia, right? And her journey with the Force. And to me, it's it's not just simply a payoff of a, of a long play arc, if you will, that that kind of really begun in 1980. If if you know what I mean, you know mm-hmm. the Dagobah stuff, and there is another. Uh, Leia means much more than just that going be, be before that with the rebellion and everything. I get that. But to me, it's an ode to Leia, just her using it, that blade being there, the design of it, the, what is set up with uh, Leia knew her her story, her arc, so to speak, would be finished. Someone else would come and pick up this blade. And so it, it's an ode to, to what she means as a character. And, you know, you can't deny it's also kind of an ode of what Carrie Fisher was to the soul of this saga, the moxie of this saga. I, I think that's at play too. It's hard not to Look at it that way. It's hard to separate those two. It really is, right? And Carrie would joke about that and, and demand two cents again, or, or say George, <laughs> George, it should be, be owed two cents. So I, I really love all about it. And, and um, 
some imagery, you know, it, it even evokes the stuff in Snoke's throne room. You got the stuff in protectors that, that definitely look similar to the Praetorian guards and definitely similar to the Royal guards. But yeah, that's Palpatine's game plan. So it's just, uh, it's, it's like a good set dressing for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll start for myself of what's challenging about this scene. Uh, mm-hmm. well, I should say, I love everything you're saying about, about Leia and it's, it's spot on to see that lightsaber inactive use. Mm-hmm. Um, it isn't just a, Hi, I brought another one. It, it yeah. is, you know, the importance that it's Leia's. Um, but what I'm challenged by is that there are no action figures of the Sovereign Protectors. <laughs> Come on. Hasbro loves making cool looking troopers. They're they're basically like uh, Sith troopers with capes and totally unique, weird double blasters. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I'm challenged by that every time I watch the film. Um, but I, I think Ray using the force uh, to redirect the blaster bolts as well as the lightsaber. Mm. That was a really fun, surprising image. Uh, We've certainly seen like Vader, uh, you know, um, just block things with his hands. We've seen Kylo freeze a uh, a blaster bolt. But for Rey, it's just kind of like ultimate defensive skill, right? Of like, Mm -hmm. I'll block some of them with Leia's blade, but others I just kind of catch in the air and (laughs) and throw at another, uh, throw it back at the person who shot at me or throw it against the wall. Uh, yeah. that's great um and then the fact that uh leia's blade is out there spinning it's blocking things it's sending blaster bolts back um but as other people have pointed out uh there's no hacking or slashing at all right after mm-hmm. she uses that the blade against kylo um it she is only using that lightsaber truly truly defensively to block incoming yeah. threats you know very much so yeah yeah which is really powerful uh, another thing that I, I really like about this little part of the combat is uh, if you really concentrate just on it, it's really funny when the fight begins and Palpatine's omen harness just flies him backwards. Yoink! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It looks like if you've ever been like, you know, behind the scenes or uh, seen a video of like a uh, Peter Pan production that's gone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the 18 year old who's playing Peter Pan just gets suddenly whisked out of the shot into the wings. It's funny. Look, I, I don't think it adds, uh, it adds, uh, or fits the uh, kind of aesthetic of Galaxy's Edge, but like an omen <laughs> harness boardwalk type of ride that just pulls you up into the sky, drops you down like on a oh, cord. That'd be great. I would absolutely love that. Uh, all right, uh, moving on. Uh, we see together Ray and Ben raise their blades to defy Palpatine, but of course, he uh, force steals their life energy and the blades clatter to the floor. Uh, this isn't that big of a moment of lightsaber action. It's lightsabers falling, uh, but I included it because it's one of my favorite shots. Yeah, <laughs> of them both raising the blades. Am I bonkers, Ken, or or do you like this this shot as well? Oh, we're all we're both bonkers here because we want to sell this car to y'all here. What it's going to take to get you in this car? No, uh, look, I, I I love it. I'm glad you put it. The blades rising. God, no, that's great. You're not bonkers at all. Hey, look, this whole secret. Uh, it's a beat that's a thematic reminder that the road is long with many a winding road. Uh, so I love this too. I love again. I love a little reminder that uh, it ain't easy. You got to keep trying. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's the the couple things I love about it is it's the way the camera circles around and, and there is just a lot of camera movement in Rise of Skywalker. I think that might be one of the things that make pe- makes people feel like the movie it, it moves real fast because the camera's in motion a lot. Uh, and the way the camera circles around them 
it it feels to me like oh that's about when we're going to cut to a different angle but then it doesn't <laughs> right so there's this great like flow to it to me and then just the utter unity of bringing those blades up is another beat that just kind of drives home this big idea this big theme of two are stronger than one right yeah um and to have that sort of moment of like all oh, right and then to have the blades immediately drop you know if yeah. lightsaber is being tra- treated as defense as shields to have them lose those shields you know lose those symbols of the previous generation of their you know parental figures and, and be unguarded and you know maybe have failed their parents mm. you know there, there's a lot going on with that as yeah. well Mm, yeah, it's, it, it turns it turns itself into great art, that, that shot. Yeah. A lot of good photos made of it, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to get then into the big physical finale, uh, encouraged by the voices of Jedi past. Rey rises and calls both lightsabers to her hands and bounces Palpatine's barrage of Sith lightning back at him, destroying him forever, question mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is important, interesting, fun? about this lightsaber use is this the ultimate uh, literally my notes are like see above just everything we've discussed <laughs> so far it's over the top it's melodramatic it is beautiful it's poignant it is uh, i remember watching it um you know uh, just the, the moment where she you know i am all the jedi and the lightsabers come out and it's like a fist pumping moment but i also remember thinking oh i i, I just i could write down a list of my friends who are gonna not like this <laughs> right now in this moment uh, so it's everything, and I, and I do love it. And, and it, you know, just that the, the whole sequence. I've, I've got some friends who maybe don't love Red Skywalker, but they do love just the 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 lightning from Palpatine, the shot, the camera shot, and then Ray looking past all that. So there's a lot in this sequence here, in this big uh, finale uh, to the finale that I think's uh, there for people to enjoy. Yeah, no, there's so many you know great lines we've talked about a lot when Ray reaches uh, through to the to the Jedi, uh, you know, who have come before. You know, alone never have you been is a, a big favorite of both of ours from Yoda. Right. Kanan's in the heart of a Jedi lies her strength. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I, I, when I was watching this uh, to discuss on the podcast, the power of what Palpatine was saying really struck me. Right, of uh, let your death be the final word in the story of rebellion. Right. Yeah. Mm. It really drives home that, you know, to in his mind, to deny him personally mm-hmm. in any way is rebellion. You know, yeah. he worked real hard to get the mask of government and the mask of we're doing this for order and to, you know, make sure that some of his uh, his higher ups lived lives of absolute luxury and manipulate lots of propaganda to see like to make everybody feel like well the empire bringing that fist down was necessary that was just control order like uh the story before this is him doing a lot of work to have a mask and once again this is like a mask removed of like Mm -hmm. i said go left and you went right it's rebellion you have to die it just drives home how much it is, this is what's at stake. If if he makes it out into the galaxy, then everything must be remade exactly as he wants it to be. And that's what the Jedi are there to block and to oppose and to contain. And again, it's such a wonderful, big, epic line, the final story of rebellion. It's so, it's so great. And, and yeah, it does, again, we always keep mentioning the unlimited power moment, only because you and I have talked about, like, the mask is off. 
I would mm-hmm. know my, I get to be who I want to be in this moment. And, and he's kind of feeling like this is about to happen forever, right? This is forever for him. I yep. don't have to wear nothing again. I can just be all angry sheep for here on out. Yeah. I can just find more things to conquer. There's mm-hmm. got to be more galaxies out there. I'll conquer them too. Mm-hmm. I've read uh, of the Yuzon Vaughn. <laughs> yeah. We'll see about the force not having an effect on them. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then I, I think it, it's clear we've talked about it a lot, but the the double lightsabers being this ultimate final moment, uh, Luke's yeah. wisdom in saying, you know, you, you'll take both blades. Uh, again, this very strong idea that, that two are stronger than one yeah. uh, in a literal way, in a conceptual way, in, in immediate family and, you know, the whole mm-hmm. symbiotic idea that it implies. Uh, and then the the fact that what she's doing is, literally blocking, defending the hatred and the anger and the control that's spilling out to the galaxy. Um, you know, his his lightning was just up there, reaching out into the galaxy and affecting all these people. And what she's here to do is not to make decisions for all those people up there. She's just here to block that anger and hate so those people can go on and make their choices. Uh, I, I think it's a real physical symbol of the idea of what a Jedi is. You, you could make a YouTube video of that uh, writer's room meeting where Lucas really makes clear what he means by balance of the force, that yeah. the dark side reaches out and the dark side is not happy with 50, 50. Uh, mm-hmm. The dark side wants to gobble everything and the Jedi there to, to, to hold the line. This mm-hmm. is such a literal physical manifestation of it. Um, and I think that uh, th- there's, the, there's a lot going on in rise of Skywalker where it, it, there, there's big action here at the end, right? There's explosions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not everybody makes it. Um, and Palpatine, you know, does uh, get destroyed. All of the Sith cultists <laughs> appear to be crushed mm-hmm. <laughs> by falling rocks. Uh, all those things. Um, we have moments of Star Wars victory that are, you know, uh, Jedi just choosing to put down the blade. But I feel like for me, what why this works is... Ray is entirely centered on why she is doing this. It is defense mm. and Palpatine's actions. Uh, we've even got some great questions of like, well, why doesn't Palpatine ever stop shooting the lightning when it's bouncing back at him? Like <laughs> that is Palpatine, right? Uh, Palpatine. Yeah. Uh, well, if, if anger and hate in, in force and, and attacking don't work, how about what if more? Uh, yeah. That's all he's got. You know, yeah. yes. uh, so I think that he can't believe that this, you know, one lone Jedi who who he's stripped of of all of her, you know, her friends are about to die. He's separated Ben Solo uh, from her. He's sucked the energy uh, out of her. Mm-hmm. And, and now she's still going to stand up to, to him. No, she can't. She can't. She can't. So he just pours it on more and more. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah, Ray, Ray does the final big big pushback, but at the end of the day, this is Palpatine owning himself. Uh, no, absolutely. Yeah, she takes a strong step forward, sure. No, indeed. But no, this is truly the, the cover of the pamphlet of, of How to Be a Jedi, really a uh, secondary idea there of, of this is at the core. Yeah, that Lucas speech is great. And and sometimes even over the years where I've struggled in my own head, just like, yeah, what, what is that balance thing? Shouldn't you want to just destroy all the bad things? And to just see it uh, described... I think wonderfully in The Last Jedi to see that Lucas clip going around and around and around and just have it be there the franchise the entire time. It 
does to me come down uh, to this moment in a lot of ways. Just a, here is the simple visual of it, of what this really means. And you're right. She could have popped back up and she could have taken that blade, stomped down the hallway like she's Vader and cut him in two. And that's would have been would have been exactly what he had been wanting the whole time, because why not? Look at all the things I've done to you. And you're right, Joseph. It's the only tool he has in the toolbox. That's yeah. not working more because this is all I got because this is all evil is. This is all the dark side is. I love it. And and again, it's big. It's over the top. Um, I wouldn't want it any other way in episode nine. No, I mean, look, if you want to talk about melodrama, I think if you look it up in the dictionary, you might see not only does uh, Palpatine just burn up and shrivel into nothing, he dies so hard the planet goes nuts and boulders <laughs> crush his thousands of followers. Yes. It is very nuts. over the top, but it is. Uh, and this is where I think, the movie owns being pulpy in mythic, you know, hyper realism is not the goal. Yeah. Uh, the goal is to, to put a symbolism on the screen. Right. And mm-hmm. in it, in that moment, the ideals of the Jedi are defeating the ideals of the Sith. And so all the Sith go. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, this, this is a world that we're about to see the inner workings of, 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 of politics while the rebellion is growing. We're about to see Mon Mothma at home and all this grounded stuff. At the same time, you got Thalos Sirens producing green milk and Mortis exists, right? In the world between this is all at play. And I think this kind of uh, is pushing towards that. Yeah. Right? While, while, while dealing with all the grounded things that got us here. Yeah. And so I think at the end of the day, for me, this being the sort of the ultimate moment of lightsaber combat, the power that it isn't clashing blades and Ray finds an opening and gets the the killing blow in. Yes. It's it's so much more powerful. That's like, what should a lightsaber be? It should be a symbol for defense. It should be a symbol for helping people mm-hmm. uh, who, who need help being defended from the darkness. It's a symbol of holding the darkness back. And it's just literally physically what happens in this climax. Yeah, no, I think you're, you're right. You said something there. I think uh, it's wonderful of just, um, that's why you don't end it with uh, saber on saber, even if it's saber, that saber is red uh, because return of the Jedi didn't end that way either. Right. The blade is thrown down. And then when it is saber on saber, uh, look how revenge of the Sith ends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not good for the galaxy. Uh, this yeah. is uh, this is part of the points. This is why I think that's what we set up top. It's the ballad of the lightsaber and what it represents. Yeah, and, and uh, just to connect it back to our our previous episode, we had a lot of fun discussing uh, the great Ray and Kylo battle on the Death Star ruins, and talked a lot about how that is a, a thrilling, exciting, fun lightsaber battle. But what's different about it is it it's they're both in a, such a low dark place, and they're not going to get anything out of this combat and it's shot and edited and sound designed to remind you of sort of like the emptiness of it mm-hmm. right so this is such a great follow-up to then have a very different use of the lightsabers than that lightsaber on lightsaber combat we saw that mm-hmm. it felt empty and, and pointless yeah yeah empty and pointless indeed so we'll move on to the big emotional finale uh this is not you know part of the the uh, combat, unless that old woman attacks Ray at some point. Uh, but we're going <laughs> to the Lars homestead uh, because we've been talking for all the lightsaber fights of the Skywalker saga about uh, the fun and the thrill, but also the meaning. It felt like we should end uh, by talking about Ray burying the Skywalker twins' blades at the Lars homestead and then uh, igniting her own blade. Mm. What is important, interesting, fun about this lightsaber moment to you? 
well, I just can't believe she moved there. She, she doesn't like sand. She stole BB-8. I can't believe the movie ended with her just moving to Tatooine. Unbelievable. Um, look, uh, jokes aside, this trilogy, um, the sequel trilogy, uh, dealt with the legacy of what came before, right? And, and it wasn't just uh, about the previous generation having to, or the new generation having to emerge from the previous generation. Uh, to me, there was mutual growth, uh, a generational exchange of, of mm-hmm. uh, let's learn from both. And the previous generation kind of had to reconcile who they were because of the legends, the past hung over them, the Han, the Luke, and the Leia of it all. And then they had to help move the next generation forward. And they do. Uh, so all that's at play. The next generation, to me, just can't simply move forward by destroying the past, right? That was the villain saying that, uh, erasing legends, both bad and good. There's uh, legends to celebrate and legends to learn from. Uh, they have to take it all. They take it all in and find out who they are as they move on in this story and, and be who they want to be. And that's what Ray is doing here. And then they do it. And it's a through line from seven to nine for me. And this is that ending. It's peace mm-hmm. and purpose. Ray on Tatooine is a lot of the, about peace, peace and purpose for me. It is, is putting those blades to rest, not to bed, not to bury them as they're gone, dead out of, just to put them to rest. That story is over and it's a new beginning. And then just the simple symbolism, it's, 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 again, not even subtext, it's text, that kind of thing of her building this new blade from it and the two colors kind of uh, flashing. Um, I love it. I love everything about it. And again, going back to what I was saying earlier about how do you, if you're in a room, how, what should be the last shot? We got to go back to kind of where it started in a lot of different ways. And I think they do that. Yeah, no, I, I really agree with that. I think the, to me, I have always felt it is like, yeah, she's she's on a pilgrimage, right? She's mm-hmm. She knows that it is a turning of the chapter. She has fully accepted the mantle of, you know, I, I am the Jedi heading into this generation. Um, I don't want to uh, kill the past, but I also don't want to be totally obsessed by the past. I need to mm-hmm. find myself and define myself and take what is valuable from the past forward with me. Uh, take the things that didn't work in the past and be aware of them and move forward. And it is just such a a great image, again, using these sort of endowed objects of the lightsabers, that they are mm-hmm. both uh, generational, because every Jedi builds them, they're personal, but there's this through line between them all. They are the symbol of a Jedi. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, somebody young is saved by a Jedi, or here's a tale of a Jedi, and it's always with that, that blade standing up for peace and justice, right? So mm-hmm. as she begins that journey for her to respectfully bury the blades of the past, but take the idea of the blade forward Mm -hmm. by building her own made of her staff, made of her own identity is just this great balance, great way to end uh, a generational tale. Um, And I also just love that it is a, a mirror of the opening scene of rise of Skywalker where you know, Ben is still in the throes of the dark side. He's he's Kylo Ren. And the opening scene is him going to Mustafar, going to Vader's castle. And it's him mm-hmm. violently taking something from the past mm-hmm. from a haunted Skywalker dwelling. In the end, is Rey peacefully leaving something of the past at, at a Skywalker dwelling where there was love. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's, th- those bookends are are very much on purpose to me. And, and, yeah. you know, one of the many things in rise of Skywalker, which is always, I understand if somebody just plain old dislikes it. I understand if somebody recognizes all the ideas and says, I still don't like it. Uh, but I'll really defend that there are ideas here. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that's one, uh, that, that is really resonant to me. And 
I think the other thing that that is only growing in value to me is the location. Um, mm-hmm. it, it does take, you know, uh, pulling in many years of, of Star Wars storytelling and kind of holding them in your heart as you watch this scene because there's nothing in this movie that, that belabors it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but to me, the story has always been Luke got bored there and mm-hmm. wanted to leave home. It wasn't an awful place. He was loved there. He had mm-hmm. family there. He had everything that Ray wished that she had growing up. Uh, he had what Ray has now. It's where he and Leia, you know, uh, first connected. It's where uh, Shmi knew love after a life of torture. Uh, mm-hmm. People have, have pointed out that, you know, uh, that Shmi is buried there. So for me, I understand some people looking at it and going, man, why is Ray burying, you know, the blades at some place that Luke had, Luke's awful childhood and what does Leia have to do with it? Like, I get some of those questions, but for me, I see it as it's a home. Yeah. And bad things happen there, good things happen there, but it's a, a place of family and unity and connection. And watching Rise of Skywalker again for this podcast, I was really kind of affected that we've now seen more of that of what I imagine the Lars Homestead to be mm. in the Obi-Wan television show. Right. Yeah. Right. We've seen that, that, that defensive Luke, we've seen, uh, you know, Luke <laughs> ignoring his chores so he can yeah. play with toys. Uh, yeah. we've seen, you know, Obi-Wan saying, you know, you're right. He should just grow up here. He should just be a kid here, you know? Yeah. Um, so uh, the storytelling around the Lars homestead in the prequels, uh, going forward to things like Obi-Wan Kenobi only to me make, make the idea that, that I've always felt in the film more resonant, uh, that this is a, a, a place of, uh, of connection and family. Uh, yeah. Second that in a major way, uh, I'm making fun up top, but I, I also, I, I gotta tell you, I, I get sometimes frustrated with that surface level engagement with that kind of stuff. And, uh, and I think there's a lot there and, 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 and you have to also be a little, it has to be a little meta, right? It has to be. Yeah. I mean, you got three PO saying, uh, every 42 years of the Akiaki festival, of the ancestors that at the time was 42 years from new hope. It's just, it, I think you got it. I think, I really think it's part of this experience that we as uh, fans uh, can plug into. And it's made a lot of sense to go back to where it all began in a lot of different ways, thematically and otherwise. Yeah. And, uh, and for me, the, the ignition of the blade has of her blade has always made perfect sense of like, okay, I am bearing the lightsabers of these parental figures. And now I am looking at my own. I mean, uh, my dad sent me a piece of art. I've been asking him to send me a piece of art. Um, he, he's a very good natural, uh, artist, uh, and he's pursued it sometimes in life and sometimes he hasn't. Uh, and he sent me, a a, a drawing that he made, uh, years ago, all nicely framed. And I, I swear to God, I wasn't even thinking about Rise of Skywalker. I looked at it and then I picked up a drawing that I had made <laughs> to sort of compare them and feel that connection through time and space to my yeah. father, you know? Yeah. To me, that's what's happening when she's igniting her blade. Look, man, and I could also, I think I even in the moment took it as, you know, perhaps she built it and, you know, like, this might, she wanted to wait for this to be the first time really ignited. I don't know. You know, I don't need it. In fact, by the way, this doesn't even, you didn't even go this deep into it. You just put the blades up and it's yellow and it means something like, you know, what I mean? like that, that's kind of where I start with it. But I, I kind of, I, I kind of took it as that too, of just like, yeah, we are ready to go forward now. 
Yeah. Yeah. And uh, obviously we we've talked about the end of the film uh, a bunch um, and we're wandering farther from lightsabers. Uh, <laughs> but I think it's connected to what everything we've talked about. So I, yeah. I just wanted to share that I love that old woman's line of there's been no one for so long. Obviously, it's literal. She's saying like, yeah, and, and nobody's decided to live at the old <laughs> Lars homestead. Right. Yeah. Um, but there's been no one for so long is such a a mythic line right i feel like that's you know saying to us the audience like there hasn't been a jedi mm-hmm. that the whole galaxy sees and knows and celebrates in so long and here you are yeah yeah, yeah absolutely i i support that and i take it list that and i'm good with that and then the sons the twin sons roll up and it's a great final shot yeah and 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 you believe that's pelimoto right yeah absolutely (laughs) a fun fan theory all right out of 10 lightsabers fully ignited how many lightsabers do you personally give this big lightsaber finale of the skywalker saga i this despite uh this might come as a shock loving everything i'm I'm going down to eight out of ten which is still high Mm -hmm. uh the number one reason throwing in the entire battle of exegol sequence i would have wanted this entire thing to be an hour (laughs) <laughs> all of it all of it give me the extended cut just an hour a lot of twists and turns more you know you get more time with wedge if dennis lawson want to be on set for more than a day you know whatever give me an hour and so that's why i just sometimes uh watch it and go all right yeah yeah yeah. i could have taken more and also if i turn on rise of skywalker specifically for a lightsaber fight i am going to kiff beer and uh uh death star uh too uh, that's yeah. my favorite lightsaber fight of this. Uh, but all that, the, what this means, uh, the emotions that are at play, there's a lot of great emotional uh, moments in this final sequence. So 8 out of 10, solid 8 out of 10 for me. Yeah, I really like that. And I like your rationale. I would maybe, if we if we were talking about the space battle too, I would definitely knock one off uh, be, for R2 not having a hero moment. I've had some fantasies about like, <laughs> what could have R2 done? How could have we have highlighted R2 more? Yeah. Um, yeah, but for this, uh, I'm going to give it 10 out of 10. Uh, because this isn't uh, technically a lightsaber on lightsaber fight, but these are lightsabers being used as the Jedi want to use them. These are lightsabers as true symbols of the Jedi. They are used for defense, for inspiration, uh, for protecting others so they can live the lives they choose. That is what a lightsaber is for. So it's a 10 out of 10 for me. Any final thoughts, Ken? Uh, no, I, I really, yeah, if we were just, uh, yeah, writing on the, on the emotions and the themes, 10 out of 10 is a solid rating for me too. But, uh, yeah, no, good stuff. Love it. A lot of fun, fun to rewatch. Uh, right now, I gotta tell you right now, Rise of Skywalker is still my uh, go-to just kind of rewatch Star Wars if it's on in the background movie. I'm having a lot of fun taking it in. Yeah, it's been really, really great to go on this journey through the uh, the Skywalker saga films, talking about these lightsaber fights, seeing how they change over the years, seeing how like the ideas of uh, what the lightsaber fights mean, seeing the amount of variety and where the head characters' heads mm-hmm. are at as they're in the fights. All that stuff has been really great. And the magic of lightsaber fights uh, will return and continue in some form. We've uh, talked about doing uh, maybe some of the fights from Obi-Wan Kenobi, some of the great ones in various animated shows. Uh, We'll see where the future takes us. But for now, Ken, where can people find us? 
Hey, you can find us on Twitter at Four Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Give us a sub over there so you won't miss our uh, Q and A's. We do monthly uh, live Q and A's. A lot of fun with all of you out there. You can uh, find us on a lot of spots, including Acast, iHeart Radio, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Just search. You'll find us merch available at tpublic.com/user/4center. You could support us directly at patreon.com slash force center uh you can tell it's extra hot in my studio because even with water my mouth is not working properly here uh you can find me at cadnapsock or go to my website cadnapsock.com for more joseph where can they find you uh yeah at the top of the podcast uh we were joking that we were sitting in a bakta tank but right now i kind of feel like it's uh... <laughs> Definitely time to wrap up uh, the podcast. Uh, you can find me on all the social media. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can go to my website, josephscrimshaw.com for links to all my comedy adventures, past and present uh, comedy albums, a book I wrote. I'll be getting some information out about the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. I have a short film playing there. In October 7th through the 9th is that festival and more information on that coming soon. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for lightsabers, this has been Force Center. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.